morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what did you get up to yesterday? Uh, How did the uh, Lord bless you yesterday? What are you thankful for this what morning? What am I thankful for this morning? Oh, look. Well, I completed a bunch of online training I needed to do, which I'm getting paid to do, which is always good. Yes. Um, oh, let's see. What am I going to... I don't know. I've... I've, I've I had such an epic weekend, like such an epic weekend. Okay, but so then ever since I've just kind of, it's just kind of been like, you know, just post event syndrome of just like thinking about that and just going on and just doing your thing. Do you sometimes have an Elijah experience after a big weekend, like on a mini scale, you know, yeah, it's oh, a big weekend and then feel flat on Friday. Yeah. It like it's all, it always happens like, yeah, when you do something like camping or like when we went to like big camp, like I always get sick after I go to big camp for like a couple of days. I just get the classic <laughs> like big camp blues or post big, you know, weekend blues. I don't know. That's been a thing like, since I don't know, since I hit the like twenty years old, top experience. Yes, yeah. Where it's just like, oh man, that was so awesome. And how to stand on the mountaintop and fire comes awesome. down from heaven. The next day, you're running from Jezebel. Oh yeah, no, well, maybe not that. I'm not, I'm not like out here losing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do, I do pretty low stakes things compared to Elijah. <laughs> uh, what are you grateful for, Lyle? What happened I'm, in your life? Well, yesterday I built a floor. Oh, let's go. Yes. Yeah. Did and you- then I ran out of. Flooring. Oh, that's tough. Yellow tongue. <laughs> okay. What what kind of is it like the floors that you like clip together or you got floorboards or it's uh yellow tongue, so it's kind of chipboard with uh, a yellow tongue that kind of slides into, you know, each other and Yeah. Yeah. Sick. About three point six long and nine hundred wide. What location? Like which which room? Upstairs. Oh, let's go. Upstairs room. Mate, making moves. Yes, good to see some progress, <laughs> even though it was disappointing not to finish it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey. Our iPad comes back to life. So, we will have a podcast. Oh, man, you talked about politics. Yes. I'm talking a little bit about politics. I'm talking about the environment. But I'm, I'm just going to preface what I'm saying by... I've never, I've never personally stated my political opinions on radio. I think that's a pretty good thing. Like, I've never... Like, I, I've always kind of weighed into things that you said, but I've never been like, oh, yeah, this is what I think. This is who I support, da-da-da-da-da, um, necessarily. Um, and I'm not going to do that now, but I will say, like, as a young person, usually we are... Um, you know, we find ourselves in opposition with the political leaders of our land. You know, we just have lots to say and whatnot. Um, and and I find myself in that position, you know, with... Australia's current leadership. There's some things that they they do, and I'm like, I don't agree with that. But uh, this morning, I read about something that they did where I was like, wow, that's actually a really good thing. And this is one of the things that I think is important is that um, while we talk about political issues here as they relate to uh, Christianity and to religion, and we report on these kind of stories, and we share our opinions based on various policies um, which, of course, are informed by our Christianity. Yes. Um, it's important to to speak out in relationship to policies and not individuals. Yeah, 100%. Because there's no individual out there that you're going to agree with 100%. Yeah. You or- know, there, are, there are politicians that I like more and politicians that I like less, uh-huh. but there's no politician that I agree with 100%. 100%, yeah. And there's no political A party, party yeah. that I agree with 100%. That's kind of what I'm getting to. You know, we talked about, like, what I was kind of, yeah, 
we talk a lot about uh, issues and how different parties are dealing with them, but we don't talk about necessarily our affiliation with any one party because I think the reality is that for both of us, it's and and for a lot of Christians, it's very hard to say like, oh yeah, I, I identify fully as this party because no one really agrees with us completely. Yeah, that's and right. we don't really agree with anyone no, completely. It's, a, it's about what is truth, but supporting the truth. I read that this is. morning whenever, whenever, that wherever that is found, our current Australian government uh, has pledged one hundred million dollars. Uh, in an initiative to protect our oceans. That's a lot of money. That's heaps of money. And I think this is a good thing. Me too. I think it's, a, I, you know, the ocean is one of my favourite environments. We've well, not my favourite environment. Yeah. And it's kind of sad when you, you know, you go snorkelling or something or other and all you see is trash everywhere. Yeah, and not only trash but bleached coral and all these kinds of things. Things that are problems that Australia are currently having and that they need to fix for a number of reasons. Like, firstly, because this makes up a huge portion of our, our environment. You know, uh, 85% of our population lives next to the coast. So, it's like, this isn't just, you know, the environment. This isn't just like a nuclear dumping site this is our front front lawns you know secondarily uh because you know it's a huge tourist attraction like that it makes a ton of money through that like in in every single way protecting our ocean is a win there's nothing we are losing from protecting our ocean and scott morrison and the liberal government have pledged 100 million dollars to doing that very thing uh so this is how the money is going to be divided up the minister of the environment uh susan lay said 39.9 million will go towards reinforcing australia's position as a world leader in marine park management which includes $19 million to be delivered uh, to two additional rounds of successful marine park grants, which will, you know, give them the opportunity to be able to, you know, do lots of work, help animals and whatnot. Uh, $50 million towards ocean discovery and restoration. $5.4 million um, towards, uh, yeah, uh, maintaining the health and sustainability of our pristine waters in Australia. Then another $30.6 million will be invested in practical action to restore and account for blue carbon ecosystems. Uh, which includes a bunch more stuff. But essentially, yeah, all of this money is being divided up into different ways to hit this issue from every side. This is interesting to have a, uh, a policy like this and, you know, I totally support it, but coming from the right. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's not what you typically expect. You sort of see, you know, if the, if the left has said, oh, we need to spend $100 million on the, on the oceans, we'd be like, yeah, that's what we expect, but... Well done, the right. And it's interesting. If, like, if the left said that, like, there would kind of be this connotation of, like, oh, you know... Here we go again, spending yeah, money, exactly. spending money. Exactly. But like, no, this is, this is, uh, yeah, our right wing politicians. And I think because there is pressure, not only like, to, you know, from the left or from the centrist, but from everyone, like we're seeing climate change as like, you know, an issue, not necessarily climate change. Uh, you know, the, there's like the contentious climate change, which is like, you know, whether the earth is warming or cooling or whatever but there is the non-contentious climate change which is oh yeah there's plastic in our ocean that we can literally see yeah that's right absolutely you know there are enemies uh, there are animals that are literally dying and even when it comes to the contentious climate change i filter all of this information through what the bible says Mm -hmm. and the bible says to expect climate change more and more and more so just before Jesus comes back. Uh-huh. So I am seeing more and more climate change. I expect to see that because that's what the Bible says. 100%. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really Very stoked. Simple. I'm, I'm like, I'm happy. You know, I, 
<laughs> Again, not on radio, but I, I voice my opinions to different friends, different things, <laughs> of different politicians that we have that I just don't support because I think that they're doing the wrong thing. And, and, and uh, yeah, anyway. so it's good to see out of the Australian political system a uh, a policy that is like like you know you have nothing to gain from this policy like. Other than yes, it's not doing anything to uh, you know deal with the national debt or anything like that. It's just doing positive things for our environment. Hundred percent. So I'm like, good job, good job, thank you. But it, it will create, it will create some jobs. It will create jobs. It'll mate. Yeah. It'll it'll get going. All right. So just quickly, oh, this is a story that Shell has been asking me to cover for. Like days now, days and days and days, <laughs> and it is the story of Wally the alligator. Wally the alligator. So Wally the alligator has is, become famous in our studio. Yeah, it, it, Shell is just in love. She wants her own Wally the alligator. Essentially, Wally the alligator is a thirty-five pound alligator, so a real small guy um, with a stupid-looking smile. Like it's just the, like the happiest, dumbest-looking alligator you've ever seen in your life. I'm showing Lala pictures now. Yes. It's, it's a very <laughs> happy. It's a very happy alligator, and that's because. Because it spends all its time being hugged and kissed and pampered and hanging out with people because it is a federally registered emotional support animal in the United States. This is this is this is interesting. <laughs> this is this is interesting. It, okay, it all is right. interesting. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. apparently, it's doing a great. It's actually so funny. You look at its little like support animal license, and it says species like other instead of like you know because usually say like Labrador or something. It's like oh, well, it's shouldn't it be crocodilian? I don't know. Isn't that the... Or is that the order? I don't know. I, I don't think know. that's the order, not the species. But the point is, is that, yeah, this thing is amazing. And you know what it shows me? That even out of the most gnarly um, of animals in our animal kingdom uh, that God has created, I think, you know, yeah, it... it uh it gives it's, us a little foretaste of heaven when we yeah. see, you know, creatures that are friendly to human beings. And this that, one certainly is friendly to human beings and become an emotional support animal. It's a real lion laying with a lamb type situation. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so moving on to a more serious story, um, Caitlin Jenner, formerly known as Bruce Jenner, um, who was former Olympic uh, gold medalist uh, competing in decathlon, so this person mm-hmm. is uh, formerly an athlete, and currently a uh, Republican candidate for the governor of California, has uh, come out with a policy statement that I think we can all very, very strongly agree with, and that is uh, finally we have somebody from the trans community who's shown some compassion uh, to the um, the female community and said that biological males should not be competing in women's sports. That is intense. Particularly coming from somebody who is trans... And who is also a former, you know, top level athlete. And she's basically, or, you know, Caitlin has basically said that, um, it's just simply not fair. So to quote, this is a question of fairness. That's why I pose biological boys who are trans competing in girls sports in school. It just isn't fair. And we have to protect girls sports in our schools. That and is- so this is this is in response. There was a question that was put to uh, Caitlyn Jenner in response to um, a number of states that have passed laws banning biological males from competing in mm-hmm. women's sports because they have recognised that you know this will lead to basically the deletion of women and the deletion of women's sports. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there are a bunch of other states that have allowed it, and of course, Joe Biden has um, you know signed an executive order in relationship to it uh, to promote it. But yeah, this is somebody who's actually a trans person themselves, and they've gone, no, this isn't fair, and because they understand. That, like, that's right. I understand. Like, when you, you know, as an not just a told, trans person, but an elite athlete. Yes, or former yes. elite. But athlete. but this is so. This is actually very timely because they just recently had the uh, the world weightlifting championships, and uh, at the world weightlifting championships, competed. You know, a current kind of famous uh, trans athlete. I I forget their name, but essentially, uh, like they're they're one that makes a lot of headlines for you know being a. a trans woman and competing in women's sports, they just broke every single woman's world weightlifting record and yeah. won every single medal. Of course. That's like, like, which is, you know, and th- this is the thing is that like, it's, it's, and you're going to have, you're going to have mass exodus from women's sports by mm. women. Once they start competing with biological men, you know, at, like, cause I've watched a number of interviews with these people, uh, like trans women who are competing in women's sports. And, and the point that they, they always make is like, no, you know, I worked hard to be here. Like, I, you know, you, you guys don't understand. Everyone says I got an advantage. Well, you know, I worked hard to win. And it's like, this is the thing. At the top level of professional sport, everyone is working hard. That's right. Like, everyone is... Like, when you see uh, Usain Bolt win, right? It's not like that he just worked harder than everyone else. Everyone is working hard. In fact, at that, once you get to the top of the top of the top level, like the, that top 1%, it really actually just does come down to biology. Because everyone... Everyone is working as hard as each other. Everyone has their own perfect diet nutrition plan. Like everyone has their perfect exercise plan. They're running at a hundred percent. It really is like at the end of the day that Usain Bolt is biologically better than everyone else. Like it has to be because everyone is doing what the most. And so you take that, you know, into the realm of women's sport where everyone is like literally living for the sport. And to make the point like, oh, no, I worked hard to be here. So did everyone else. But you sorry to go on a rant. Yeah, oh, no, I, I'm, well, I'm really hey. pa- I'm really passionate about this issue. Like as a as a former sports person, um, you know, I was never really in this situation where I, I like I was doing a sport that relied so heavily on biology and that there was such a big point made out of this. But it's uh, yeah, this is a I, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a voice of reason coming out a of voice the trans, of, you know, trans community. And, and it's kind of like, how do we even have to have this discussion? Mm. You know, how does how did our world, which, you know, you sort of look at our world and you think, well, most people in our world are pretty reasonable kind of people. And, and then we have these just truly bizarre policies coming in. And they're supposed to be coming from some kind of area of compassion but they're not that like it's it's just a war on women it's the opposite of compassion it's a complete it's it's just i just i'm i'm speechless and without <laughs> words i never dreamt in my wildest dreams that our world would ever reach this point of insanity but the bible says that rejecting god they became foolish mm. and that's exactly what we have taking place right now you can read all about it in romans chapter 1 Okay, so let's talk about Interdict. Interdict is back. Yeah, oh, that's intense. You it's said that, and I was like, story Interdict. Right okay, so Interdict works like this. This is a this is a, uh, a a doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church, in which if they disagree with your politics, they can um, send you to eternal hellfire. Yeah, 
This is pretty full mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically what it is, and not only can they send you to eternal hellfire, if they so choose, they can send your entire nation to, to eternal hellfire. Yeah. So for those of uh, our listeners who are not Roman Catholic or don't have a Roman Catholic background, um, salvation in the Catholic Church is found through the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you cut off the sacraments, then you have cut off salvation. And the teaching is that, you know, the popes and the, the bishops and so forth hold the, the keys to heaven and hell. And effectively, by cutting off the sacraments, they cut off salvation and they close heaven and open hell. So you've got some very uh, famous instances of this that have taken place in the past. Uh, Henry the Fourth of the Holy Roman Empire, um, the empire was placed under interdict. And when the empire was placed under interdict, basically what the church did was condemn the entire empire to eternal hellfire. Um, he did three days penance in the snow in bare feet um, wearing a sack before the Pope would allow him an audience and be able to reverse that interdict. Mm. Uh, King John of England is probably one of the more famous ones for those of us who, who grew up with a little bit of British history and British background. When uh, he was placed under interdict, he just gave his whole kingdom to the church and rented it back for a 1,000 marks a year, which is when the barons got together and forced him to sign the Magna Carta because they're like, no, you can't just go and give our country away. Yeah. And so indeed is very, very powerful. And so this is what's happening in the States at the moment. You've got um, Archbishop Salvatore Cardi Leone, who is the Archbishop for Nancy Pelosi's um, church and has written a very strong letter saying that the Catholic church and priest should withhold the sacraments from... Roman Catholic politicians who support who support abortion. Mm. Okay, so you know you look at that and go, well, you know we should uh, we should be going after politicians who support abortion because we don't agree with abortion. Yes, but there's a way to do that, and that is in the ballot box. Yeah, mm-hmm. and through discussion and debate and education and so forth. That's how we go about it. We don't go about it by sending them to eternal hellfire, because when you send someone to eternal hellfire for their political stand, then that is very, very much mixing of church and politics, church and state together. And what we find here is a medieval practice still being practiced in the United States today, and that should make us wake up and go, "This this is serious. These policies haven't changed. They haven't gone anywhere. Anyway. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM. Continuing on with interviews up here at the Duncan Rebuild. I've got standing across from me, Luke. And uh, let's just talk to Luke a little bit. Luke, who are you? Yeah, I'm um, Branch Supervisor of Hume Doors and Timber in Port Macquarie. Awesome, awesome. So, Branch Supervisor at Hume Doors and Timber, Paul Macquarie, what do you guys do exactly? We're an Australian, Australian-owned company. We're well over 60 years old now. We're lucky enough to have plenty of manufacturing plants throughout Australia. We manufacture door and timber products and distribute quite a lot of other products like your plywoods, uh, fibro sheeting as well. And the, the list goes on. And yeah, we just dist- distribute uh, through Bunnings, Mitre 10, and plenty of other resellers. Yeah, how long have you been there for? 17 years now. Oh, so yeah. you're, mate, you're well entrenched. Yeah, well, it's, everything's been good. They look, they look after their employees. So Awesome. So now we just want to get into um, specifically how you 
kind of got into this situation, probably starting with how Lynn got onto you. Yeah, okay. Lynn used to work at, uh, I believe, a glue manufacturing company many years ago in her younger years, uh, who used to manufacture the glue for the doors that we used to press. And then when Lynn was trying to find suppliers to help out with his project, she reached out to Hume Doors and Timber and um, being an Australian company, Australian family that had lost their Australian home, it's, it's really quite fitting for, for us to step in and and help out. So, mm. so when yeah. did they get into contact with you? Oh, this was only about a, a week ago. They got oh, in wow. contact, so we haven't much noticed, but within a day, yeah, within a minute, we sort of committed straight away. So, so the process yeah. for you, you know, you kind of heard the story, and I guess there would be some communication yeah. around the company, and then yeah, it's just the green light's gone ahead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, straight oh, in. Awesome, awesome. So I'd love to know, you know, what is it that, um, yeah, Hume Dawson Timber has committed to this project? We're going to supply all the internal skirting doors and architraves, external doors. As I said, there's plenty of products we can supply, so we'll see the list come up of what, what they need to get the project done. We'll offer as much as we possibly can. Oh, that is so amazing. It's Yeah, I just feel like it's incredible to see charity coming from companies like this. It's You know, yeah. we're always thinking about our triple, you know, triple bottom lines and profit yeah. margins, but to well, be able to do this. We're an Australian company owned by 100% Australian family, so it sort of pulls a bit of heartstring when, you know, we talk about the house being an Australian dream and people lost it and, and can't rebuild, it's quite fitting that we can we can help them out. Oh, so good. Luke, thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, no and problem. we'll continue on with our program. I'm currently standing here with Pastor Graham Stewart. Now, Graham, you're a pastor up here in the uh, Foster Tunkari area as well as Taree. I just want to get your perspective on how you're connected to the Duncan rebuild in this situation. Yeah, the story goes back a bit. So when the fires hit here, we had the fires the most. We had them first here in the whole of New South Wales. It all started really here, and it just got worse and worse. And I got a message from Gwenda saying, the fire's coming up our road. And could you pray? Because Keith's stuck up at the house trying to put the fire out. Mm. So I have a um, prayer warriors with not just the two churches, but even people that aren't even church members, but are spiritual, and they say, look, if someone needs prayer, just send me a text. So I have about 260 people that I send out a message to them, a text message, just saying, please pray, Keith's up trying to fight the fire. So they were all praying for Keith, and the fire just took out his neighbour's house and just took out this house, and he couldn't really get out. Mm. And they actually, all of a sudden, a whole area opened for them to get back down to the service station where everyone else had been evacuated. So he was saved. That's um, powerful. Isn't it? Isn't mm. it? And, and I believe it was those people praying for them and asking for the protection for them. Wow. Amen. So I'd love to know, you know, from there, because we're standing here now about a year later, what has the journey been like? How have you been involved with that? We got them help from the very beginning. Church members rallied around to help them and support them. They uh, eventually got permission to build a shed that we can looking at right here. And church members from both churches all came and helped mm. them build it, put it together as, as much as they could. And at least they had somewhere to go and sleep. You know, and so the church members have been fantastic. They've helped them, supported them, been there. Our community members have come in and helped them and supported them. And now Lynn from Port Douglas got on to me and said, Hey, Graham, I saw these people on the TV. I want to help them. So she's been working behind the scenes helping with 
getting them a house. So it's been been a secret because she said, I want to get them a house. Hmm. God's going to make them get a house. I know what's going to happen. And I just don't want them to know that until we can have it definitely. I don't want to, you know, disappoint them because they've had a lot of disappointments where they've been promised things and it never came through. Yeah, so we've kept it secret. (laughs) <laughs> Until today. Until today. Yeah. Um, so, how long had Lynn been in contact with you about everything? It happened about eight months ago. She got on to me hmm. when she eventually found out about where Gwenda was. So, she God had put it on her heart to help this lady. And so, how does it look like just working with these guys? And In the midst of when they um, had been here over the last, oh, I think it was probably... Actually, nearly eight months ago when Lynn first got on to me, her daughter and kids had nowhere to go. So they had to come and stay here as well. And mm. um, it's been really good. I've been able to connect with her daughter because her daughter's not a church member or anything. And uh, her kids have been coming to our youth group now. Yeah. So yet all these things have been happening. So it's been it's been really good. It has been a tough year up here because we went from the fires... Then we had coronavirus, and then we went into the flood. So I had seven people. Their houses were flooded, and they lost stuff And just recently. So it's just sort of one disaster after another, you know. But that's where my prayer warriors come in, because I just send out messages, please pray for these people. And they're all out there praying for them, and I let people know. And I think, you know, people appreciate that others care. Mm. They might not be able to do anything, but they can pray for them. And they know that someone's caring enough to pray for them. So... God just brings it our way, just like we're seeing Gwenda and Keith. God's bought help to build them a home. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Graham, thank you so much for talking to That's us. That's all right. I guess we'll uh, continue to hear from others. Oh, good on you. Have an amazing day. Continuing on with our coverage of the Duncan Rebuild, I'm sitting across from Lynn and Sam, and I guess now that the, the dust has settled and everything's kind of happened, uh, you know, we were sitting down in the car, uh, you know, waiting for your text, but, but what does this look like for you finally meeting these guys and, and uh, yeah, surprising them with this? Yeah, it was, I was wound pretty tight <laughs> um, over the last 24 hours. You didn't get much sleep last night either. didn't sleep too much, <laughs> just trying to get all of the, you know, the legal aspect of this and the, the human side of it, mm. you know, is trying to marry those two things up. So um, we didn't know what we were coming into. We, um, we've only had phone conversations with these people, but now, you know, after all this has happened and everybody has left, um, just sitting there speaking with Keith, he said, I can't get my head around this. I just can't get my head around it. He said it's like somebody ringing up and saying, oh, you've just won the lottery. You just go, yeah, sure, kind of thing. And then I suppose the reality comes in later on of when something's actually sitting yeah. there. And I think Gwenda actually said that earlier when she was perhaps speaking with you or was it might have been one of the guys from Hume Doors. Mm-hmm. Like they hear all these things are going to happen, but nothing ever has. So mm. they're kind of like in shock and like, is this ever going to happen? So I really believe it's, you know, for them it is quite traumatic, but this is actually going to happen. Mm. But I think until it stands here, they won't. Until they won't, things start happening. You know? Yeah, until yeah. things start happening, I think that this, they're still going Absolutely. to be very numb yeah. because um, even – Keith just now he said this is the first time he's had conversations about this the fires yeah. because of the trauma associated yeah. he tries with the fires. To look ahead, not look he back. tries mm. not to look at any photos or or mm. that. And I said, well, that's really hard when it's you're living in the middle yeah. 
of mm. what happened and everything is gone. And yeah. he said, that's right, because we are living in the middle of the fallout from that and what used to be um, is very hard. So I praise God that God can restore these people um, and give them a home and erase the memories of, you know, what they're currently surrounded with. It's just debris everywhere out there. Mm. There's, even though they're bulldozed, the house um, all around is, you know, overgrown. Yeah, overgrown areas of, you know, that they poured their heart and soul into, yeah, yeah. you know, gardens and sheds with, um, obviously for timbers and that, they're all just, you know, collapsed and mm. fallen in. Mm. That So all yeah. around there are things, reminders. Reminders, a lot of relics yeah. around the place, even yeah. cutlery and stuff on the, on the ground out there, which is obviously from the from house. From the fire, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine, well, I can't imagine what that would be like living with all of those day-to-day mm. reminders of, um, of such a great loss, mm. you know, such a great loss. But um, Keith did say that um, some people came that they hadn't seen in a very long time that had said, you know, uh, we saw what happened to you. And he said at the time, he said we were sort of sleeping in the car, um, not knowing what to do, he said, and they helped us to put this shed up so yeah. we'd have the shed, you know. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's some good people out there. Absolutely. There's some yeah. good people out there. So that's... That's fabulous. You know, I'm so grateful that they did that. And slowly over the course of the year, they got it lined. And, mm. um, so to keep the elements out a bit more. Yeah, and the heat, yeah. And the heat, yeah. Mm. So, uh, and now mm. coming on to winter, the intense cold of winter, yep. like they had to endure last year. Yeah. You know, that was hideous. So mm. um, hopefully by Christmas, if God gives us the strength to move forward, yeah, they'll have a home and... Hopefully we can all be here when they cut the ribbon on the door. Yeah, yeah. Wow. fabulous on that Hume door. Yeah, <laughs> we can cut that ribbon. So um, yeah, so that's that's very special. I'd love to know just finally what's going to be the process going forward from here. You know, uh, we've got some paperwork to sign, all yeah. these kinds of things, but what what kind of the steps? Uh, okay, um, the council is first, and we have to submit the development applications, and we can't do that without their signature. So we had to show our hand today, if you like, of what we were planning, uh, what God had in store. If we can get the paperwork signed, it will go into the queue. We can't jump the queue, so we have to wait on that process for the development application to be. We had to go through a lot of fire information. If the area was just classed as a fire area, that would have been different, but of course the whole place has been completely burnt to the ground. There's a lot more hoops to Mm -hmm. jump through. Mm. So, also, the, yeah. um, the government's changed a lot of regulations. Mm. You can't just lodge it into the council now. Mm. Now it's got to be lodged into a central place in Sydney. At the federal government. At the federal government mm. before they give you approval. Mm. And then they dispatch it. And then they dispatch the it. And they can tell you where to build and not to build it. They don't prefer the one to as well. So the system so has changed. changed, which yeah. is probably a lengthier process. If we can get this, this paperwork signed today, um, I'll have it in council's hand tomorrow. And the process, you know, will begin. So, and look, I really appreciate uh, Mid Coast Council Chad yeah. Bowles and his team. They um, they have helped so much for us to because we're from Queensland. It's completely different for us up there. So they've helped us to understand the process mm-hmm. and given us a step by step list of what we have to do next. So yeah, we're four mm-hmm. or five items in on that list, which is. Very, very good. Yeah. Perfect. You know, praise the Lord. We've talked to we've talked to the Duncans and we've just heard their stories of praise. But uh, I guess in a way, 
you guys have been such a blessing to them, but I'm sure that you guys have also been blessed too, being oh, a part of this oh, program. Yeah. So yeah. much, so much. We have met so many people right. in I mean, this God journey. God is blessing them. Yeah, and God is blessing them. We're just them. His, yeah. his workmen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the theme song, yeah, theme song for our um, Bible study group on Tuesday nights is um, on Isaiah 6. It's called Send Me. Mm. And uh, we sing that before we study every week. And it's amazing that everybody's just singing it with such gusto now because every week there's another step in the Duncan journey mm. to wow. feed that, you know, and mm. they all understand. And there's about, like I said, there's about 30 of us ready to roll up our sleeves and come down here and mm. build this house. So. Yeah. yeah, Sam and I built a couple of houses already, so we know we're in for a lot of bruises and skin knuckles. Um, but we do, we need a builder licensed in New South Wales mm. um, to come on board, and that would, you know, will be all the, the muscle he needs. But mm. we do need somebody to sign off on this and um, and to be part of this process. And the Lord so, will provide it. I'm sure. I'm sure there's still things provide, yeah. that. Uh, Still need to be like the plumbing and the electrical and stuff like mm. that. Still in search. But as we go, we'll, we'll get it. You know. Yeah, yeah. God will send who He sees. God will send it. Open yeah. the hearts to to give. You know, which is what He taught us to do. Amen. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's indeed our pleasure, and thank you for coming down. Yeah, that was Thanks. great. It was really yeah. good to have you here today. <laughs> so I say coming up. Yeah. 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 yeah, guys. Amazing. You guys have been listening to Faith FM. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.